I want to read from John's Gospel, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, who came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, flesh but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. And we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. And you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. We thank God for his living eternal word. Amen. This, um, in fact, let me read a couple more verses to you, then I'll uh, tell you where we're going. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. 
some of the last words of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Excuse me. <coughs> They're the last orders of Jesus. And those orders are still relevant to this day. And what I want to do... Um, over ne my next few visits is to take you through a discipleship course. Now, for some of you, this is going to be, today's message will be a reminder. For some of you, maybe a revelation. Some of you, it'll be a cause for rejoicing. For some of you, it may be, you'll feel it's time to review how you're living out your faith. The title of this is just very simple. And the title is Beginning. Beginning. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born from above is another way of describing what he said. It's not a, an optional extra. It's not a new practice that's come from America. Franklin Graham is in this country at the moment preaching the gospel and he's getting a lot of opposition because he's preaching a message which is not is politically unacceptable. But Jesus couldn't have made this clearer, could he? You must be born again. A couple of verses to just remind you or help you understand what we're talking about here. Acts 26, 17. I am sending you, this is the, the, the Lord speaking to Peter, uh, Paul, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. From darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. That's one aspect of what it means to be born again. 1 Peter 1.18 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb, without blemish or defect, redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you. This nation is full of people who have an empty way of life. They've tried to fill it up with all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, that it's empty because they don't know Jesus Christ. And in 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you're a believer, if you're born again, you're called out of darkness into his wonderful light. The light is where we live. And 
the greatest miracle that can ever happen to anyone is that they be born again. Whatever else takes place in a person's life, the fact that if they're born again, that is the most significant event in their life. Praise God when he heals people. Praise God when he provides miraculously for people. Praise God for all that he does. But nothing compares to being born again. We've got a friend who's uh, had a pretty horrendous life for years um, with, with alcohol and with drugs. And each year, we have the joy of going to celebrate her coming clean. She's up to 21 or 22 years now. And, and we go and celebrate because she is so thrilled with the fact that she's been set free. I, th I think perhaps as Christians that we ought to be we celebrating when we came to faith. If we know the exact day, fine. If we don't know the exact day, we probably know the week or the month or the year or whatever. But I've often thought, and I've, I think I must do it, I'm going to have a, invite some people around for dinner um, in May um, and, and just say, I want you to come and I want you to hear my testimony about what God's done in my life. And it won't be all the, the people, the nice Christians that I know. It'll be the people, that, the nice people who aren't Christians that I know. People who need to hear it because it's an opportunity, isn't it? We, it, we should be so pleased, so delighted, so aware of the privilege of being a believer. So what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean? What is the process of being born again? Well, the first part of it is to be convicted of sin. In Acts chapter 2, it says, they, Peter was preaching his first sermon, and it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Cut to the heart. Something very powerful had happened and that they needed, they knew that they needed to respond. And in Acts, 20, in Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer was um, terrified because he thought he was going to be killed for losing his prisoners, he said, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I hope that Franklin Graham gets that response as he preaches the gospel. That people come to the place where they say, what must I do to be saved? But before you can be saved, you've got to know that you're lost and be convicted of your sin. Convicted of sin, cut to the heart. You know, the Welsh Revival, if you know anything about the Welsh Revival, it was Evan Roberts was the preacher, and he started to preach, and as the Holy Spirit came upon him, and his ministry started to have an impact, he would go around the valleys of Wales with some singers, and they would have meetings, and they would have meetings every day. They'd go into a village or a small town, 
and meeting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. At the beginning of the meeting, people started to be stirred and started to ask what they could do to be saved. And this momentum built up as the weeks went on. But Evan Roberts would not make an appeal until he got to the end of the week when they were crying out, what must I do to be saved? And that revival was so powerful that the pubs were closing in Wales and the pit ponies stopped working because the miners were treating them nicely instead of kicking them and, and shouting at them. But it impacted the society and chapels were sprung up all over the place and churches. That's what it means to be saved. When you're calling out, what must I do to be saved? And you need to be convinced of the truth. The truth of who Jesus is. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There isn't an alternative. It's not one of the ways. It is the way. It is the way. I've done quite a lot of funerals over the years. And I've done them for people that I know well and people I've known are, are believers. And I've done them for, had the privilege of doing them for people that I didn't know. One of the favorite uh, scriptures that people often ask for, I don't know how they find out about it, is from John 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's very, very popular at funerals. The problem is they, they miss off the end of the verse. And the end of the verse is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? I am the resurrection of the life and the life, Jesus said. If you believe in me, you will never die. Do you believe this? We are so privileged when we are faced with death or the death of a loved one that we can be sure that these words are true. then we come to, so we've got conviction and then being convinced and then to confess Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, very well known words. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So it's confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. When I've had the privilege of praying, praying for people that have come to the stage where they want to give their life to Christ and to, to ask for forgiveness, one of the things I always say is, now that you've prayed the prayer, go and tell someone. You've believed you've prayed, now go and tell someone. When I became a Christian, I didn't tell anyone for a couple of months because I was so embarrassed. And then eventually I, the Lord just put me in a corner where I had no choice. 
And then I realized how important it was. And why shouldn't we be ready to share our faith? If we really have met with the Lord, if we really have encountered him and we know that we're born again, our, our testimony should be the same as the New Testament church. We cannot help talking about what we have seen and heard. We've got a story. We've got a testimony. Going back to Evan Roberts. He wasn't a trained preacher. He wasn't a preacher. He just started to preach to his youth group to begin with. And he started to preach about the complete forgiveness of sins to his youth group. And the youth group all came to Christ. But his message was this. There's four points to his message, which are very relevant to us. Confess all known sin. Deal with and get rid of anything doubtful in your life. Now that could be one of many different things. But for some people it will be extreme things like dealing with the occult. For other people it will be dealing with too much alcohol. For some people it will be with gambling. For some people it will just be extreme selfishness can be quite subtle, but it's dealing with anything that's doubtful. Be ready. <coughs> be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. If God speaks to you, do it. I've got a, a book at home called The Ten Second Rule, and it's written by a man called Claire de Graff, and, he's, and I've just got an, after I read it, it made such an impact to me that we bought them and gave copies to everyone in the church. And all it is is that just do the next thing you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do. So that we all get prompting about things we ought to do. And for many of us, we spend so much time wondering whether to do it or not that the opportunity is gone. And Claire de Graff talks in his book about how he got convicted of this and how he started responding to the Holy Spirit and the remarkable things that happened. Well, I've shared a little bit, I think, in the past here of some of the things that happened to me, but I still try and obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit but what was so encouraging was when we gave this book out in the church, we had week after week after week, we had people coming to church with a testimony to share of what God had done. Sometimes quite dramatic, sometimes quite sort of undramatic. But people were so encouraged because they just realized that God had prompted them and they'd done it and God had blessed what they'd done. So... Can I encourage you to, to just be open to the Holy Spirit? And fourthly, so it's confess all, all known sin, the first part of his message. Deal with anything, get rid of anything doubtful. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. And what I would say is, if you get it wrong, God gets it right. 
is very good at working in, with our mistakes. If our heart is right, we cannot lose. And then confess Christ publicly. There, are, there aren't any secret Christians in the Bible. They weren't all leaders, they weren't all preachers, but they were all people that, that their faith was so important to them that they were ready to, to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord, and they expected God to move. By the end of the first week of Evan Roberts preaching, and he wasn't a preacher, 60 people had responded in his youth group. By the end and within a year or so, 100,000 converts were said to be added to the world Okay. More power, Lord. A <laughs> hundred thousand converts in a year from an ordinary man who stepped out when he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. I can't remember what the statistics are, but if every Christian helped, helped, helped one person to come to the Lord, every year, it would only be about 20 years or something, quite short, before the world was converted. We're not talking about us all becoming Billy Graham, but we're talking about all of us just sharing a testimony. And God will bring these people to your life. And then cleanse from all unrighteousness. One of verses that I... I'm so grateful that I discovered and experienced was 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Whatever you've done in your past, if you've confessed it, it's been cleansed, it's been eradicated. Satan will try and remind you of your failures, of, your, of things you've done in the past. Don't listen to him. Just feed on the word of God and say, if I confess it, then I'm cleansed. And we can go back. That's one of the, one of the blessings of communion, a time to confess and to go and to just remember who Jesus is and what he has done. The blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all unrighteousness. We had a little boy in our church who got saved, and I think he was probably eight or nine. He wasn't very old, and he got saved. And I always remember him come, came running towards me, and he said, John, John, he said, I've become a Christian, and I feel all clean, all clean inside. Theologically, that's very sound. But he was just eight or nine. It wasn't from a Christian family or anything. He just said, I feel all clean. And the look of joy on his face. Children come to faith more quickly than grown-ups often. You can tell my age from some of the songs I quote when I preach. Happy day. Oh, happy day. 
when Jesus washed my sins away. Do you know that one? Perhaps we ought to get Paul to play that at the end. <laughs> no pressure, Paul. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we be a little bit happy? Is it, is it even, in, even in England, even in Wilkin, shouldn't we just allow for ourselves to be a bit happy about being saved? Happy day. Happy day. Let's remember the words of Jesus. You must be born again. You must be born again. And I said at the start, many of you didn't even remind us. But some did. I suspect that this is the revelation that's being received. For for many of us here, to experience life in all its fullness, the best life possible. Thank you. Just finish with some questions. Have you been convicted of your sin? Have you had an experience like John Newton, amazing grace, how sweet the sound? that saved a wretch like me. We are all wretches before the Saviour, but not after the Saviour. Have you been convinced of the truth? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth, the Redeemer? The songs we've sung today have been so powerful because we've been proclaiming truth about Jesus. Have you confessed Jesus is Lord? When was the last time that you shared your faith with anybody? When was the last time? And are you prepared to do it today? Because if you say yes, you're in danger of being asked to by the Lord. Praise God that he doesn't want us to become different personalities. We may be introvert, extrovert, or any other vert. But he'll give us opportunity that we feel comfortable in, even if we're uncomfortable in it. And we just know that what we're meant to do or to say. Have you been cleansed from all unrighteousness? Do you know that you're forgiven. 
forever is in your palms. Completely forgiven. And lastly, truth is so familiar to us but it's so easy for us to be over familiar in the way we respond may your truth go deeper today may our lives be impacted today and may we know that we are safe with you and in you. If you keep your eyes closed, I'm going to ask for a response. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. thank you for the, these dear people who have responded and I pray that as they have responded to you that you would respond to them Lord cause them to know that they're loved cause them to know that there's nothing they can do to make you love them more and that they don't have to earn your love that they can respond to your love and be the children that you would have them be Lord bless them richly and for the rest of us here today Lord may we rejoice in the truth and may you give us opportunities to share our faith and to you and you alone be the glory in Jesus name Amen